Amen. Thank God for the blood. Amen. You could be seated this morning if you like. So glad you have all made it here. You got the memo. You made it. It's awesome. Praise God. You know, before Pastor Stephen Porsche come this morning, and uh, they're, they're a great tag team, so I don't know what we're going to get. Amen. So we'll just go with the flow. Amen? And uh, we're so excited, but uh, I just want to say something because I, I'm excited to see what God's doing in their lives. And many times we serve the Lord and we think we have it all figured out. We think we know where we're going to be, what He's doing. And, uh, but I'm excited for them. They've been pastoring ICC now a little over three years, going on four years. Excited for that and watch what God's doing, watching the transition. But they served for about 24 years at Shiloh Christian Center in Oakland and were there. And many times you're there for that length of time. You think, man, I found my place. I'm in my groove. I'm be here for the rest of my life or something like that. And then God messes you all your plans up. <laughs> Acts chapter 13 in verse 2, 1 and 2, mentions all those who were at the church at Antioch, certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simon, who was called Niger, Lucius, Cyrene, Manaean, and those who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul, or Paul the Apostle. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And in that, you find out that there's a principle that God works in all of our lives. It's called, there's a calling, and then there's separation. God calls us, and then there's a place where he separates us to that call. But in between the call and separation is preparation. And I'm excited to see what God has done in their life through 24 years of preparation for the separation that he has brought to pass because it's being manifest through their ministry there at ICC. And uh, we're just blessed to have them with us this morning. Would you welcome Pastor Stephen Sumner as he comes this morning? Amen. Oh, Hallelujah. Amen. Give him a good welcome this morning. Amen. Woo. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Don. Amen. You, you can be seated. Thank you for, for your love and hospitality. We feel at home here, and uh, it's not our first time here. And uh, I'm going to bring the pulpit down. I don't like preaching for up, up on the elevated stages. It's okay, Pastor Don. I got it. I got it. Uh, I like getting close to, to see you. And uh, wow, it's so exciting to be here. And uh, I love the presence of God. I don't know about you, but... Uh, uh, you know, I live where we live, where we used to live, is near the stadium where the Oakland A's play and the Raiders play. And last Sunday morning, I'm at, uh, heading to church, 7 a.m., and there's these crazy Raider fans. They're, I mean, they're getting ready for the Raider game, and they're covered in silver and black. And I'm like, these people are nuts. Now, I'm a Raider fan. Don't boo me now. Don't boo me. Uh, I know we have some 49er fans here, but I was like, these people are nuts. I mean, they are like going for it at 730. They're getting ready for the Raiders to lose. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, I'm like the people of God. And, you know, we, we serve the, the king of kings, the Lord of lords and the king of kings and the champion. And how much more should we enjoy being in God's presence and being in the house of the Lord. And so uh, I don't know if you have your phones out, but turn them off, please. Uh, 
I don't know if you have a watch. We don't have a clock in our sanctuary. We don't really care what time we end church. So if you're used to, and this is a new service for you guys anyway, right? So the reason you combined at 10 o'clock so you can go to one o'clock. So you can't say I want revival and I want God and then say, God, do it in 45 minutes. You can't do that. Okay. It takes God responds to hunger and thirst. I don't know. See, I'm glad Pastor Don left. I'm getting in trouble now. No, he's in the back. But, but uh, Pastor Don is a father to me. And uh, pastors need pastors. And so your pastors, Pastor Don and Sue, are spiritual parents to us. So even though we have other spiritual parents, we look to Pastor Don, Pastor Stu, that they were able to speak into our lives and speak into our leadership and to our church. And so, Pastor Don, I want to just personally thank you for who you are and uh, what you mean to Portia and I, you and Pastor Sue. And uh, how many know you have a crazy pastor? I like crazy. I don't like boring. Yeah, see, I, you, See, I know you guys are crazy and, and radical. We just sometimes look a little conservative, but until you get out of church. And um, so thank you, Pastor Don. And uh, I know you guys are in a season of transition. And uh, as Pastor Portion, I've taken uh, International Christian Center in San Leandro. Uh, our dear friends, Ray and Jenny Montero. Um, gosh, they've known They've known me before I met Portia. And Pastor Portia and I, we've been married 30 years. We just were celebrating this is our 30 year of marriage. And uh, when I first got saved, you guys knew me. And I don't even remember, how many of you guys don't even remember yourself what you used to be? Aren't you glad for that? Come on, I, I, I've forgotten more than I know. No. So anyhow, Ray and Jenny, thank you for just all of your prayers and your love for us. And when Portia and I were youth pastors. We had the honor of, of pastoring their children. And uh, wow, how fast time goes. Come on, isn't it crazy? Like, we're getting ready for Christmas already. It's just like time is flying. You're like, no, don't say that. So anyhow, Ray and Jenny, uh, thank you. We love you and just all of your hospitality and love for us. And I understand you guys are in a building project. It's amazing that we are also in the process we're just starting uh, getting our finances together and our plans together for expansion. And how many of you know when the Lord does something uh, externally, he's also doing something internally? He's doing something internally inside of his people. Take out your finger, take out your finger, put it in your neighbor's chest and look at him. Just say, just say, you're it. You're it. Say, you're it. Okay. You're the person that God is in love with. You are so important. You're so that God, he, he uses his people. He's not looking for a building. He's not, he's looking for a people that are alive with his presence, alive with his power, alive with his person to go and touch a generation and touch a region. And I have the honor of actually, my dad was from this area. He was from Sonora. I know Sonora is a little bit south of here but it was from the foothill he went to sonora high school graduated in 1943 i think i told the testimony and then he jumped into the navy went to san diego went to hawaii and then we had pearl harbor but my roots are from the foothills way back from my grandpa that i didn't even know back in the uh gosh that would have been way back in the 30s and the 20s and so 
you know, you just never know what God's going to do in generations. How many know that God is a God of generations? And all of you are here because someone prayed for you. Don't you realize that all of us are products of prayer? You had a grandmother, a grandfather, a, a mother, a husband, a wife. Someone prayed for you and their prayers work. So church, don't stop praying. Don't stop praying and believing God because God responds to faith. Now, you already, you know, you give a preacher a mic and they start preaching. So uh, let me go back here. And that's, that's not even my message. That's not even the intro. That's just me talking. Because I'm excited, you know, and, you know, some of us like to talk. Some of us like to listen. We'll get that in, in the message. But um, before we get into the official introduction of the message, I want my son and Patrick, uh, my son Patrick and Courtney to come on up here and, um, and daughter. Now, let me, I'm going to brag on them a little bit. And then Portia's going to come. But they came with it. But we've known, gosh, we've known Courtney since she was born and Patrick since he was in junior high school. And our son, Deuce, Patrick and him hung out together. And so um, they are just rocking it for the Lord. They are really tearing. I mean, they are, they are like, they're millennials. They've been married three years, three years. And now, let me just tell you something about generations. Courtney's great-grandmother, can I say it or you want to say it? I'll say it. Okay. Courtney's great-great-grandmother, Leora Overall, just passed this year. She was 97. When I first got saved... And needed to learn how to pray. I was raised Catholic and I didn't really know anything about this church stuff. And I would go to a church. Courtney's great great grandmother, Leora, would sit there and lay her hands upon me and just lay her hands and speak in tongues and pray over me with the other. And her great great grandmother actually led Ray. I just found this out this morning. When Ray got saved, she led Ray into the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit. I know we don't say Holy Ghost as much anymore, but, but uh, anyhow, Courtney. Courtney's, we're going to call her doctor. She's, uh, yes, she is. You need to pray for her because she's right in the thick of the city of Berkeley in uh, the edge. She's going to be a doctor in psychology, but she's spirit-filled, Holy Ghost, and you won't believe, like, if you want to talk to her, it is crazy what's going on in, in the, well, I'll let you tell it, Courtney, but I don't know what you guys want to say. Just say hi, and we love you, preach, pray, whatever. Oh, no. Um, hi, everyone. Thank you for being so welcome to have us here. We feel blessed to, even the Sumners are our parents, and so it feels like we're just tagging along with them wherever they go, we go. Um, yeah, Patrick and I have been married for a couple years. We're really passionate about the Lord, and um, we really love being immersed in the Word and in ministry and prayer. And so it's a blessing to be able to come with the Sumners as they minister because we feel like they, they prep us as well as a young couple. Like everything we've learned in our marriage has been from them. And so it really feels like a blessing and an honor to be able to even be in this space and share it with you all. So thank you. Amen. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just want to say that uh, I'm Patrick, and um, God is just a generous God. He's an amazing God, and uh, we all know that God is a very generous God, and he's given us everything we need to be able uh, not just to survive, but to thrive, and it's people that mess that up. <laughs> uh, and we see that God is a very generous God, and just the scripture you were saying, Pastor, about that we seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, that before that, 
uh, Jesus goes to this whole thing, the Beatitudes, and he starts to talk about all the different characteristics of the people who are the kingdom of God. And a lot of those characteristics are about generosity. People who are will, who are not seeking to be seen, people who are not going and praying and going out sweating, like, oh, I've just been fasting. <laughs> but they're not looking for attention. But they're all about Jesus and pushing forth the kingdom. And they're all about generosity and seeing other people being blessed. And then when you start to bless others and you start to partner with God and his generosity, that you'll start to see that you'll be blessed blesses as well. And, and through our life, we've experienced that the past three months, I have been laid off and we have been just trusting God and believing uh, what God was going to do in that time. And um, it, it was interesting because God took us from a place of learning uh, to be uh, in faith with God, but to be patient in faith. A lot of times it's really easy just to believe in God, but, you know, to have that patience with faith is another level. Um, <laughs> be waiting three months of like, God, what are you doing? But even in that time, God had called us to bless someone who was looking for money and needed finances. And we needed that money. <laughs> we, did, we definitely needed that money in that time. But God had called us to be generous because uh, we had recognized the generosity of God in our life. And so we decided to give. And because of that, we had never, there was never a time where we were in lack. There had never been a time where we needed, we were hungry or anything. We, all the bills were paid for and everything like that. We were blessed uh, without, I mean, just without measure. And it, a time, literally three months, it felt like God was just giving, putting me in a place of resting and trusting and believing in him. And out of nowhere, without me even having to try, God just provided a job for us. And so I just want to testify that God is good. God is generous. And that when we partner with God and his generosity, you'll be amazed at the things that God will do for you in your life. Amen. All right, I just have to brag on my kids because they are. And, uh, you know, Courtney's in this uh, educational arena that is just weird. And, uh, but it's, it's at the highest level of education uh, in Berkeley uh, to get your doctorate in psychology. And so she started a, a Bible study with some of her, her students. And uh, to be a Christian in that arena, it's like you are made to feel like you're uh, weird, you're a hater, you're the one that's uh, all these different labels, and it's just we live in a, a, a weird, crazy uh, society that uh, is contrary to biblical truth. And so, anyhow, I'm proud of you, Courtney, for standing up for righteousness. And because, it, I mean, she really is in an area where it's like it takes great courage and faith. to. And she does, she's not ashamed of it. She says, no, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer in Jesus. And you can take it or leave it. You can hate me if you want, and they do hate. But guess what? That's the world that we live in where there's, uh, it's going to cost, it costs us to, to serve the Lord. Amen. And Will, come on, uh, my one and only lover of my life. I love you, baby. Um, I'm just excited about today, about the word of God that he's going to minister. And uh, we had a great time. If you were here last night, can you stand up? Yeah, just thank you so much for just allowing God to just speak to you and the Holy Spirit. Thank you for coming last night and just really appreciate the worship team and the great job you guys did. And everybody just did, just, it was just really just a great presence of Jesus there. And Pastor Sue was just so awesome. And, and I, like my husband said earlier, I mean, your pastors, I don't know what, if you know what you have, but uh, they've helped us do some really one of some of the hardest times in our lives and we were able to call him on the phone. I'm about to tear up. Okay, hold back, hold back. But um, 
to call them. And the same thing for Jenny and Ray. I feel like true friends in the ministry, and you need those. And last night we were able to minister on um, being, uh, you know, being strong and of good courage and came out of the the book of numbers and how God is calling us to war and, and uh, you know, what happens when we have faithless choices. So if you weren't there, get to tape, amen. But I'm anxious to see. My husband is, a, is just a powerful man of God, and uh, I know he has a word. If you didn't bring your... You know, bring a pen and a paper. I always say a short pencil is better than a long memory. So, uh, go ahead and write it down what he what he has to say, what God has placed on his heart. Because I really believe that God is going to speak to you today. God is going to speak to you today. Amen. Amen. I have a word for you right over here, but we'll we'll get there. And my husband, I, this young lady, yes, this your husband? Yes. Yes, can you guys stand up? Can you just hold hands and say, man? I just believe the Lord just put on my heart when I was sitting over there and I saw your God just highlighted your face to me. And in this next season, I'm going to use you. I'm going to pour my spirit in you to overflowing in this next season. I'm going to blow up on you again and again and again. There's some things I'm going to do her eyes have not seen ears have not heard it's true so expect again and dream again have faith again have faith again amen you know it's something because last night the lord the lord said to me he said to me um last night i was fighting in the spirit when i was ministering because the spirit of discouragement tried to come on a lot of women here. A lot of people here, I would imagine. Just a spirit of discouragement. But God just kept telling me over and over again last night. Tell them to dream again. Tell them to hope again. Tell them to dream again. Tell them to live again. Live again. Expect again. Expect again. Because God's going to do something that he's never done before. We're going to minister in a little bit. Come on. Come on. Welcome, Pastor Stephen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, sir. You can. Thank you, sir. I I appreciate you. Thank you so much. And uh, I didn't know what. uh, But uh, I don't know. We're we're drinkers. We're we're drinkers of the Holy Ghost. we are, you know, before I got saved, I got, I, I used to just want to escape pain. And, and so you drank just to, someone said, did you like the taste? I said, who, who cared about the taste? You just wanted to, to, you know, get drunk or whatever you wanted to do. And so how many know when you get filled with the spirit of God? Come on, Ephesians 5 says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart 
That's why the song of the Lord, your praise and your worship, it's not something that you do. It's something that you are because the spirit of God is inside of you and he wants to be released out of you. And you know why you need to get filled up is because you leak. That's true. We leak and we use it up. And so that's why you can't, you can't live off of yesterday's manna. You can't live off of yesterday's. No, every day, every moment, and especially when we gather corporately because there's something about a corporate gathering where our faith joins together and we see the manifestation of his presence in a greater way. So just come on, just, just close your eyes if you need to lift up your hands and just say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for creating in me a new heart today and giving me hunger for your presence, love for your word. And Lord, thank you for touching me and Lord, taking away the old and giving me new life. Lord, you've given us health in our bodies and strength, Lord, and Lord, putting vision and hope within us, Lord, to dream again, to live again, to hope again. Amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Wow. Amen. So we just bless this house, you know, in Chronicles. It says, if you believe in the Lord your God, you will be established. And you believe in his prophetic word, his prophets, you will prosper. So I want to declare over Solid Rock Faith Center. As a father in the faith, I'm a father in the faith. I want to declare a blessing over this house and prosperity. So, Father, we just thank you, Lord. Even as we sang this morning, your goodness is chasing us down. It's running after us. So I declare a blessing, Lord, the blessing of the Lord, the blessing of God over Solid Rock Faith Center, Lord. And I declare prosperity, 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 that would you cause your people to prosper in Jesus' name we pray, Lord, and this plans and all the, the finances and the expansion, oh God, Lord, that it'll come to pass, Lord, and Lord, in the is what you're doing in the natural, you'll do it in the spirit, you'll do it in generations, Lord, you'll do it in the old, the young, the millennials, Lord, that there'll be a mighty in gathering in this house, in Jesus' name. How many of you know it's not how you start, it's how you finish? Right? Come on. How many of you know that God wants us to finish strong? Okay. One thing I appreciate that in, in my spiritual journey, I had older saints like Courtney's great-grandmother and the founder. And these women, and they were women. Some of God's best, best men are women. <laughs> best soldiers. And some of us men, we got to rise up and take our place. And uh, because our church was founded by that. How many know God is no respecter of persons? And we're going to find out today in scripture whenever I get there. But uh, she was 67 years old when I got saved. She was 67, still pouring into a knucklehead 19-year-old kid that was on drugs or just got off drugs and was lost. And here was someone that was 67 years young. So sometimes we feel like, oh, I'm getting older. No, so all of us that are older, 50, over 60, God still wants to use you. Because maybe your outward body is getting a little bit older, but doesn't the word say that? What the outward affliction, but our inward man is getting stronger and stronger. 
your inward man, it's the inward work of the Spirit of God. So your outward body may be feeling a little bit rusty, but come on. The Spirit of God wants to recharge you. Amen. And so here we go. So the theme of this weekend was called and courageous. Now, take out your Bibles because I'm going to try to go fast and, and through the Word of God. But I love the Word of God, and the Word of God speaks to us. And turn with me. I don't know if you can follow me up with scriptures, but in 1 Timothy 6.12, it says to us, fight the good fight of faith. Everyone say fight. Now, I didn't grow up liking to fight, but sometimes you're forced to fight. Come on, how many of you guys know sometimes you're forced to fight in the spiritual realm? Just because you become a Christian doesn't mean everything's going to be easy. Just because God's on your side doesn't mean, how many know in the children, he had, to, he had to let them go through enemies to put strength and courage within them. So the, the thing was called and courageous. But let me keep reading the verse. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. So the reason it says this is because sometimes you can let go of eternal life. You can let it slip away or you can kind of lose your passion. But Paul is writing here and to Timothy and he says, Fight the good fight, lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called. We heard that from pastor, right? We heard that from like called and courage that you are called. Say I'm called. called. That you are called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. This is the power of our confession. Something that the Lord has been dealing with, with us about is Steve, Portia, watch what you say. Watch what you declare. Watch what you confess. And so how many guys have made a, a good confession about the Lord? The Lord has made a good confession about you. It's powerful. Our confession is powerful, right? If you take it back in, house, the, in salvation, in Romans chapter 14, it says what? If you, what, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that God raised him from the dead, and you confess with your mouth, right? You will be saved for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So it's not just enough to believe in our heart, but we have to declare the works of God. I love this. It's a little funny joke. I'll tell you. How many of you guys want to hear the voice of God? Then read your Bible. How many of you guys want to hear the voice of God out loud or audibly? Then read the Bible out loud. Okay, and, and I had to learn that. And how many of you guys, even our prayer, sometimes there's power. That's what, there's power in praying out loud, pr making prayers. You can read the, the word of God and pray declaration prayers, faith prayers. And so turn with me in your Bible uh, to the book of Luke. And we're going we're gonna to preach and talk about this story. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. And if you can follow me, I don't know if you have the scriptures up behind you. You know, we're so, how many of you guys actually bring your Bibles? My, my church is lazy. They don't really, we don't have as many Bibles. You know, we, we live in an area where I guess technology. And so I like to hear the papers and ruffling. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you a story about some ladies. We're going to preach about the ladies. Do we have ladies in the house? Can I hear you ladies? And so since this is kind of a ladies weekend, we're going to preach about some ladies, and it applies to us men as well. Don't you know that Jesus came to lift up those that were marginalized? He came to break down barriers, whether there were religious barriers, social barriers, anything. There was uh, racial barriers. We see that through Scripture, that Jesus comes to lift us. 
if you're here today, hopefully when you walk out of this room that you will be lifted, that God will have elevated you to a higher perspective from his presence, from his word. So Luke chapter 10, let me get there in my Bible. But you guys know the story. Verse 38. And it says, and it happened as he went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at his feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord. Don't you, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. And so this is a wonderful passage. I love this passage because there is so much in here and so if you look at mary and martha both are needed but one is needed more their names both mary and martha mean bitter or rebellious if you look at the history or the origins of their name it means to be rebellious and to be bitter that's where their names come from and so I look at this story, and here's Martha. How many Marthas do we have in here? Come on, how many of you have ever been, you've been rebellious or bitter? Come on, I don't care about your, if you're a man or a woman. I'm not talking about that. But you've been, you've been rebellious and you've been bitter. All of us, don't lie to me, church. You guys are, are in church. You're Christians. Come on, you've been, you've been born into rebellion. And, and sometimes life can make you bitter. And so here's Martha. She welcomes Jesus into the house, and then Mary's there. And Mary is not worried. She's just so, can you get the picture? Mary's just, Jesus is here. I don't care about what I have to do. I just want to hear what he has to say. But Martha starts to cook him a meal that he never asked for. How many of us do that? We can do that as well, right? And sometimes we can deal with our pain of life, whether it's bitterness or rebellion or whatever it is, by being busy and serving and doing. Come on, how many guys, I can do that. I can think of, I can just do that. And we think that being busy or doing life, it's going to make the pain go away or make anything go away. I can do that. But Mary sat at his feet. Now, Martha, she gets an attitude with Jesus. And she says, Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Go and tell, tell her to help me. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha. Maybe he was Italian. I don't know. <laughs> or bitterness, bitterness, or rebellion, he says, you are worried and troubled or you're distressed. If you look at these words, worried and troubled, I uh, appreciate the passage that Pastor Tim shared, Matthew chapter 6, because in that uh, course of scripture there, Jesus says, why do you worry? 
Why do you worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear? Why do you worry? Because worry causes you to be fragmented. Worry causes you, when you're full of anxiety and fear and distress, it causes you to be divided. You're not, you're not solid. You're not solidified. You're not a whole person because, oh, I won't even bring what Courtney, Courtney was saying. Some, it, now they're stating in, in this field that people can have multiple personalities. And I says, you know, that's true. Because some Christians have that. I don't mean we really do, but they're trying to say that you can, you know, that's how weird people are getting. But when you're divided, you can be all over the place. You can be, that's what worry means. And so in, in Matthew 6, he says, why do you worry? He says, look at the grass of the field. Look at the birds of the air. Look how beautiful they are. And he uses this statement. Jesus uses the statement. He says, if God clothes them today, and he feeds them today. He clothes the grass. He feeds the birds. How much more will he take care of you? He uses the phrase much more. He says, how much more valuable are you than they? And so right in the scripture of Matthew, God is dealing with our identity and our security as people that I love when we sing about the Father God. I can just, I can just sing about God's love because it just breaks me down. It restores my soul because I realize that, God, you love me and you're a good dad and you're a good father and your goodness is chasing me down. And, and, and you've been really good to me my entire life, even when I was a knucklehead, even when I ran away from you, even when I tried to get away, your goodness and your mercy still ran after me and brought me into salvation, brought me into restoration, brought me into fu fulfillment. And now... If I look back, you've been really, 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 really good. So why would now I start to judge you falsely and complain and worry that you're not going to continue in who you are and your character? And so Jesus is saying, don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about how the bills are going to get paid. Don't let this. Now, it doesn't mean you negate your responsibility, but you don't let that consume you where you judge God falsely. And so he says to Martha back here, he says, Martha, Martha, you're troubled and you're distressed. And if you look at that, it means that she was mentally in distress. Her, her mental capacity, she was feeling it in her soul. How many of you know your soul is your mind? Okay, you have your will, your emotion. She was feeling, God made us emotional. That's why I like, I like loud churches. I like loud services. It's not that God is death, but I'm emotional. Come on, I... I I know there's a time to be quiet. We, I, I love, I was raised Catholic and, you know, we do the quiet thing and genuflect and do the sign of the cross. And, and, and there's a time for, for meditation and, and solitude. But nowhere in the Bible in, in worship service do you hear anything about being quiet. It says, no, shout, get loud, get happy, clap, rejoice. And it really doesn't mean, uh, everyone has different personalities. Now, me the original me, the unsaved me, I was kind of crazy, but I was really, I like solitude. And so it doesn't matter about your, because we have different personalities. Like, uh, I'm, I can be more of a, a laid back person. I don't like conflict. Okay, I can just be like chill, like, okay. 
But then there's other part of people that you're more of a, a dominant personality. There's another person like if I use some personalities like Patrick is a, has a dominant personality. My wife has a more inspirational personality. I'm more of a lady. So we're, but that has nothing to do with the Holy Spirit has nothing to do with our personality. He takes our personality and works within us. So God takes in some of us like Courtney, she is like the world's greatest administrator, organizer, like just that's how she functions. Like if things are not, and that's all good. We're all different. God takes all that. That's great. But the Bible and the Holy Spirit are still the Bible and the Holy Spirit. And he takes that and he fills us with his presence. He fills us with his word and he takes our personality and he mixes it with faith and so we just want to live according to the word of God. And so here's back to Martha. I know I'm getting off a little bit. But here's Martha. And she's troubled. She's worried. She's distressed in her mind. That's another issue. People are distressed in their mind. They can't sleep well. They have fear. They, they go out of church and they're like, man, I don't have this peace. And I had it in church. I felt it. And so this was Martha. And so look what she does. She's, she's, there's three things here and we're going to keep going. She starts to judge God falsely she says God don't you care have you ever said that God don't you see what's going on in my life don't you see how my relatives are treating me don't have you ever prayed that prayer God don't you see don't you know don't you know have you ever judged God falsely I have I've questioned him like God don't you see what's going on God where are you why are you taking so long maybe that's just pastor Steve so she judges God falsely in this one verse. And then she starts to do something else. When you get troubled and distressed and worried and you make false accusations, accusations against God, but then you also make carnal comparisons. She says, don't you care that my sister? So she starts to look at other people. And we can do the same thing as Christians. We can start saying, well, look at them. Look what they're doing. And look what, I, well, look what they're And God says, Steve, keep your eyes on yourself. Stop making carnal comparisons. Because when you make carnal comparisons, you're going to get yourself in trouble. So this is Martha. She's making carnal comparisons. She's comparing. Instead of letting God just deal with her. She wants to get busy. She's worried. She's troubled. She's questioning God. She's making carnal comparisons. And then. The third thing that she does, she's trusting in the arm of flesh. She says, tell her to come and help me. And we can do the same thing. We can look for other people to be our source. And Martha, because she's in this troubled state, full of anxiety, full of fear, distress, she's judging God falsely. She's making carnal comparisons, and she's trusting in the arm of flesh. Jeremiah, if you can turn with me in your Bible, Jeremiah chapter 17. We know this verse, but look at this verse about when we trust in man and not God. When we think man is our source. How many of you know that God is our source? God is your source. Can you say that? Say, God is my source. Not my boss, not the government, not other people. Now, God uses other people, but our source is the Lord Jesus Christ. Jeremiah 17, it says this about when we do this. Jeremiah 17, verse 5, it says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes the flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord, for he shall be like a shrub in the desert, 
and he shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. That's pretty serious, huh? I mean, no, when God curses you, he, I mean, he can really, God can curse you out better than anybody else. We don't want to be cursed by God. We do not, you do not want God to, to curse you. You're like, well, that's the Old Testament. Well, it's the whole Bible. Okay, it still applies. It still applies. So it says, when we trust in the arm of flesh, that's what happens. But the flip side is, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. That's you and I, whose hope is in the Lord. He shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and he will not be anxious or he will not be worried or he will not be distressed. And you can put any other word that you're going through. He will not be that because in the year of drought, nor will he cease from yielding fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. And so how many say that God comes, he's, he's testing us. It's a test. You're going to pass your test. It's a good test. The test doesn't last forever. And so here was Martha and she's worried, she's distracted, she has all these things, she's judging God falsely, she's making carnal comparisons, she's trusting in the arm of flesh, but then Jesus says, Martha, but Mary has chosen one thing. He says, Jesus says, one thing is needed, just like that song, I don't know that song, I heard it for the first time today, but it says, I need you. One thing, everyone say one thing. Come on, David said that in Psalm 20. He said, one thing I desire of the Lord and that, might I, that I will seek after that I might dwell in the house of the Lord. One thing. He says, one thing is needed. And here's the great part. You get to choose. And this is the part we don't like because we're like, God, well, just make me do it. God won't make you do anything. He won't make you come to church. He won't make you get hungry. He won't make you. He wants people to say, God, help me. Help me. Help me, Lord. And he says, one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good in part, and it won't be taken away from her. She's chosen. Everyone say you get to choose it. You get to choose how much God you want. You get to choose how much revival you get to live in. You get to choose it. Now, we don't like that because it puts some responsibility about on us. We think the pastor's supposed to do it. The leader's supposed to do it. The prayer team's supposed to do it. But everyone take out your finger. Kind of do a circle around yourself. I don't know, you can't do that sitting down, but say, Lord, start a revival and let it begin with, with me. Let it begin with me and my brain and my heart. Let me choose it. That's the power. We know this in Deuteronomy chapter 30. It says what? I've set before you life and death. Choose life. Choose blessing. You get to choose the goodness of God. So here is this story about how people deal with pain and bitterness. How do you deal with it? Do you deal with it serving and getting busy? Or do you deal with life by sitting? Now, my personality, I'm a doer. I like, I like lists, lists. I like tasks. I like to accomplish them. How many people I got in there like, you feel if you don't get everything off your list, you're, you had a bad day, right? You didn't, 
You know what I'm talking about? I, that's, that's, that's Pastor Steve. I can be like that. I can be, I think your pastor's like that too, maybe a little. I don't know, kind of, sort of. But that's okay, because we need to otherwise, now you can't just sit around and just lay on the floor all day. That doesn't mean that. And just soak, okay? But the priority is relationship. See, Jesus in Mark chapter 3 when he chose the disciples, I don't know where it is, Mark chapter 3, somewhere in Mark 3, just forgive me for not giving you the exact verse. But when Jesus chose his disciples, he says, I chose them to be with me and then to preach the gospel. I've, I've never heard it preached before. It's, I've never seen it. It's in one place in the Bible. It's Mark chapter 3. But he says, I chose them to be with me. And one time I read that and I was like, then to do. And see, that's priority. That's, that's our priorities. Our priorities come from relationship. I can't just have a, a, a marital relationship with, with Portia and never tell her that I love her or never listen to her or her to me or serve when it has to be relational. It can't just be so busy. I got to do this, babe. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And she's doing it. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes our marriages can be like that. You have kids and you have responsibility. You're, you're go, do, do, do. You got to pay the bills. Got to go to work. Do, 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 do. But then you're like, What's your name, dear? <laughs> right? That's, it's relational. It's relational. It's relationship with the Lord. And that's what Mary wanted. Mary was like, I'm just going to, I'm going to come and I'm going to receive from him. Now turn with me in your Bible. We're going to look at another woman here. Look in your Bible. It's also in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 7. And I love this. And I'll try to hurry up. And I love it because it kind of ties in with Mary and Martha because Mary and Martha were from this town. So in Luke chapter 7, verse 36, we have the story of a Pharisee and another woman who had a reputation. That's you and I. We had reputations. And the crazy thing about Bethany, it means house of depression. If you look up what does Bethany, it means house of misery. That's what Bethany means. And so this, this Pharisee, come, this, is, this is a really sad story here at the beginning. But it gets really good. You got a Pharisee. His name was Simon, and he has leprosy, and he lives in a, a town called misery or depression. It doesn't get any worse than that. You got a Pharisee. He has leprosy, so he's sick to death. He's a Pharisee. He's a religious guy. And he's inviting Jesus over to the party. So Simon the Pharisee, and he lives in a town that's called depression and misery. And Jesus, he invites Jesus. That's a good place for Jesus to show up. Because really that name is kind of describes some of our lives. We can sometimes have depression come upon us or misery or like, man, what is life? Is, is there more to life? Is there, is there more? Is it, you know, I'm, I don't want to battle depression or feel anxiety or fear and, and, and deal with the misery of life. But so here is Jesus. Let's pick it up. It says, then one of the Pharisees asked him, this is verse 36, to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. That's you and I right there. And she knew that Jesus sat at the table of the Pharisee's house, brought in an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with 
the hair of her head, and she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, he would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, well, teacher, go ahead and say it. He had a little attitude, a little religious attitude. So get the picture here. I don't, I don't need the, necessarily the, the, I love it. This woman comes and think about the courage. You talk about being courageous and called. She comes to this religious setting and there's a bunch of religious people there. Now she wasn't invited. So she's in her mind, how can I touch Jesus? Or how can I worship Jesus? I'm not invited to this religious party. There's a bunch of men there. They're religious. I'm a woman. I'm a sinner. I have a reputation. Maybe with some of those religious guys up there, they know me. Who knows? But she knows that Jesus, there's something about Jesus. And she has something that's precious and priceless, something that's worth a year's wages. That's how, that's how much the presence meant to her. That's how much Jesus meant to her. And I think this woman didn't, didn't just do this spontaneously. I think she may have heard like a week before that he was coming. I don't think it was just something, you know, we read the story and it makes it just sound like it happened spont uh, really spontaneous. But I think she was like, how do I prepare myself to get to Jesus? How do I build up courage to break through the opinions of men? And so here it is, they're at the table sitting down and this woman has to do something. She has to take a step of faith to step out into the open and everyone's going to be like, who is this chick? What are they, does she think she's doing? But she gets down on, on her feet and she starts to cry and she starts to wash and wipe and kiss and anoint his feet. And then you got the religious guy. He's thinking, this is, this is crazy because God knows your thoughts. This is the scary part. God knows every one of our thoughts, and he still loves us. Like, if we were to put all of your thoughts from yesterday on that screen, who would come to church today? Okay. But... So Simon, here's the religious guy, he's thinking in his mind, if he's thinking this, he's not saying this, if this man were a prophet and were the, he would know what kind of dirty, filthy woman this is. And so Jesus looks at Simon and he says, Simon, I have something to say to you, sir. And then Jesus looks at the woman and he says, you see this woman? He says, Simon, when I came into your house today, you gave me no water for my feet. But this woman has not ceased to wash my feet with her, with her tears. And he says to her, you, you gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet. And he says to her, you gave me no uh, oil to refresh me, 
But this, we, this woman has anointed me with precious oil. And before he says that, he tells him the story about the creditor. And this is for us. He says there was a certain creditor and he owed, there were two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other owed 50. And the creditor freely forgave both their debt. One owed 500, the other 50. He says, Simon, tell me, who's going to be more appreciative or who's going to love? And obviously Simon's like, well, the one that owed 500. He said, Simon, you've rightly judged. So this woman's faith and her love was based upon her revelation of how much Jesus has done for us. And that's as a church, we have to remember that we are nothing without the presence and the power of Jesus. As a people, we're nothing. But this, this woman had such a revelation that if she could just do something to Jesus. See, in the book of Mark, chapter 14, the same story is related. And Jesus, in Mark 14, he says, wherever the gospel is preached, what this woman has done to me, let it be also mentioned with my gospel as a memorial to her. I read that and I'm like, what? So wherever the gospel is preached, come on, how many preachers? All of you are preachers. I'm, I'm going to swear you all in as preachers right now. Everybody, raise your right hand. So put your hand on the Holy Bible. Swear with me, okay? You're being appointed and anointed as preachers. Because some of us, we think, we think that we have to have a title of pastor, that we have to have a certain thing to go and preach. No, preaching is just telling people about Jesus. That's what preaching is. Preaching is telling people about the love of God and what he has done in your life. So all of you are called to be preachers. You should go out wherever you go in Walmart, Starbucks, Chipotle, wherever you go. Those are some of the stores I've been that you can tell uh, as of yesterday, last night. Um, you go and allow the love of God to come out of you. And so this woman, she, she has a cry in her heart. Well, let me just go back. So, so Simon rightly judges, and, and Jesus says to the woman, he says, woman, your faith, your faith has saved you. 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 Can you say that? Your faith has saved you. Say, my faith will save me. Now, I'm not talking about going to heaven. I'm talking about living and overcoming life right now on earth. I don't want to wait till I die to experience heaven. I've experienced enough hell in my life to say, no, God wants you to experience heaven right now. And you know that word is the word sozo. That word saved you, and it means to recover life and health right now, right here in the nasty now and now. That in life, we can experience heaven because you have heaven living inside of you. Now, this is the exciting part. When I read this passage one time, I was looking at this, and I said, you know, why did she do this to his feet? Why did she do this to his feet? And now look with me at verse 38. Because I read this and I says, you know, this is really a picture of what Jesus did for me. Because we're the bride of Christ. We're his hands and his feet. And I think about this. I said, Jesus, wow, you had a, you had a, a cry to go to the cross. You had a cry within you to go and die 
to restore humanity. You had a deep, deep cry within you that says, you know what? I'm going to fulfill the will of the Father. I'm going to fulfill my destiny. I'm going to bring glory to the Father. I'm going to fulfill the calling and the work. And so I'm going to do what he tells me to do. And you see this, Jesus had a cry for humanity. And the cry was the cross. And then Jesus washes us with his blood. He washes us. He washes us in his mercy. He washes. I need a, I mean, I love a nice hot shower. I love, how many of you guys feel refreshed after? Come on. Yeah, you do. I feel it. And I'm like, Lord, thank you for your washing. Wash me. Don't just wash the outside. Wash my heart. Wash my mind. Wash my spirit. Keep me clean. Keep, because why? I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back to the old, to the nasty now and now. No, I want to live in faith in what God is doing. And so Jesus washes us in his blood. And then guess what? He wipes away all the pain and the memories. Now, you can still have memories, but you don't have to experience the pain of the memory. We can have memory. I still remember as a young boy being, I was sexually violated by another teenage boy when I was, a, when I was young. And I, that started me into pornography and then getting high, doing all kinds of crazy things. But Portia and I, we'd go into, now Portia's testimony, you guys know that she had some, her parents took in some crazy people. They loved them. And this man ended up sexually violating my Portia when she was a little girl. But don't you know that the scars and the pain of life, and then that brought me into a life, I knew about God. I, I had, you know, two parents, nine brothers and sisters. We had four dogs. You know, you had the nice American family. <laughs> Big, nice American Catholic family, but still full of sin and, and alcoholism. And my older brother sold dope. And so, you know, you just start getting high. And, and so you have all these things. And, uh, but you know, God in his great mercy, his great mercy, no matter what you go through in life, no matter what you've had happen to you or what you've done to others, God can take that and his love and his blood and his mercy can wash and wipe it all away. He can wipe it all away. And so when Portia and I would go into the high schools and we would talk about sex with the kids, you know, it's a hot topic. That's okay. God created sex. There's nothing wrong with talking about sex. You should talk about sex in church. God created it. It's holy. It's, it's good. But we are able to tell our, tell our story to kids. But you know, when you tell your story and you don't, and you ha had the Lord heal you of it, there's no shame there. And see, that's what, even in scripture, it says, though that those that call upon the Lord will never be put to shame. You read it. It's in the book of Joel. It's throughout the Bible. Those that call upon, they will never be put to shame. Shame brings fear. Shame brings torment, right? Fear brings torment. Perfect love casts out fear. And so Jesus here, he, what did he do? He, his blood washed us. His mercy wiped away the pain of the past. Then what does he do? He kisses us. You know, I can grab my son, Patrick, and give him a kiss. And I won't kiss him on the lips. Obviously, that's for my wife. But, but I can give him a kiss. Why? Because that's, we're family. Okay, it's not weird and perverted. It's a, it's a holy hug, right? The Bible says that. Greet each other with a holy kiss. I mean, I didn't put that in there. But the point being, not an unholy kiss, a holy kiss. But 
What is a kiss? A kiss is a sign of affection. It's a, it's a sign of family, of belonging, of wholeness. It's an embrace that restores us. And so Jesus kisses us and he brings us not just, you're not a slave. You don't have to do church. You don't have to serve God. You get to. You get to walk in, in an in a, in a identity that you are a son. You're a son. Your dad is God. And so Jesus kisses us. I like kisses from Jesus. That's why I can worship. Now, Courtney's like, yeah, yeah, I know some of us. Just, oh, come on, Jesus, kiss me some more. Okay. Now, I'm not just being, you know, fluffy and weird. Uh, but it's, it's a sign of affection and wholeness. Okay. You know, one kiss is enough. I don't need five. Okay. Uh, but Jesus, he kisses us and then he anoints us. You're anointed. He anoints us. He anoints his people with his presence. That's what Jesus says. What? The spirit of the Lord God is upon me for he has anointed me to what? Preach the good news. He has anointed me to what? Heal the brokenhearted, to release those that are bound, to declare the acceptable year of the Lord, to what? Appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. That's why church should be a place of joy and happiness. And sometimes we just have to slap ourselves and say, give yourself a break. Smile. Don't take yourself so serious. Laugh. Laughter does good like a medicine. How many guys like laughing? Come on, how many guys grew up on the Three Stooges? I'm old school. Little Rascals, Three Stooges. Okay. Laugh. Joy. Joy is good. Depression is bad. This is not rocket science here. But I thought about the feet. What is it about the feet? Because the feet is your and my it's our walk. It's our walk in life. It's where we go every day that God wants to touch our lives in such a way that we will walk in fresh anointing that our feet. If you look at this, do a, you want to, some of you guys that love the Bible, do a study on feet. You think about it it's through the whole through the whole Bible. There's something about feet. Don't you remember when Moses came to the burning bush God said take your sandals off for where you stand is holy ground remember when Joshua was going to take Jericho and the angel of the Lord he says take off the sandals of your feet for the ground you're standing on is holy don't you remember in the book of Ruth when Ruth is going before Boaz and Naomi says go Ruth and lay at his feet how beautiful are the feet of them and so you think about your feet your feet is where we are right now and God's washing and his blood is wiping and uh, his kisses are anointing to give us a new walk and I said wow God you're so amazing you're so amazing and then he says at the end of the passage he says woman your faith is it saved you Everything you and I get from God is in faith. Remember Paul told the Galatians, he says, if you began in the spirit, why are you trying to work it out in the flesh? If you began this walk in faith and in the spirit, why are you now trying to continue by, by fleshly actions? No, you have to continue in the spirit of faith. Faith. 
faith because your faith is going to save you and it's going to produce something within you. If I can, if you can come back to the piano, sir, and just play those chords. I was like, Lord, what do you want me to impart to Solid Rock Faith Center? It would be a new level of expectation and faith. I'm going to give you another scripture. Read the end of Hebrews chapter 10. It says, right, it says the just shall live by faith. We're not those that draw back to death, but we're those that move on into life. And it goes right. How I many you know when they wrote the Bible, they didn't have a 10 and an 11 and a 12. It was all one letter. Faith is what? It's the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. By faith, we understand that the worlds were created by the word of God. So the things that we see did not come from what we see. You just think about that for a second. Yes, God is a rhymer. He's a tongue twister. And it says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And then you go, and it says, faith will what? Cause you to persevere. Faith will cause you to endure. Faith will cause you to obey. Faith will cause you to say yes. Faith will cause you to say no. Faith will take you into the next season of your life. So, Pastor Portia, come on up. We are in, in Courtney and Patrick. If there's something that you receive from the word today, we, we want to pray for you. The Apostle Paul said, I long to be with you so that I might impart a spiritual gift to you. When Pastor Don came and ministered at our church, he imparted a spiritual gift to us. If there's something that we want to do to you, we want to impart a spiritual gift in this house. And it's the gift of faith. It's the gift to believe for more. It's the gift to know that God is with you. God's with you. And there's no failure in God. And God's a healer. He's a deliverer. He comes and makes us whole. Thank you, Jesus. You know, first, I, I feel like if you if you were here today for the first time, I don't want to just assume that everybody is in here saved. Amen. And this message really touched your heart and you realize how much Jesus desperately loves you. And uh, if you're here for the very first time and maybe you um, you haven't accepted Jesus into your heart, this service is for you. And the second one is is maybe you really was walking with Jesus. Maybe you got discouraged, and but you haven't been living the way that you should be. Amen. You haven't been really serving the Lord, and and so this altar calls for you. And uh, you maybe you're here today, and you say, you know what? If I die today, I'm not sure that I would really make it. I'm not sure that my name is in the book of life, and I don't know if I would go to heaven or hell. This is for you. So. If you are here right now and you fall into any of those three categories, can you just show us your hand? You say, you know what, that's me. I see your hand right there. Is there anybody else? I see your hand right there. I see your hand right there. Is there anyone else who wants to be included in the prayer we are about to pray for you? 
you know, I, I, I know this is something, but I see your hand right there. But to get up in front of everybody is something because you're saying, you know what? I'm not ashamed to own you before men. And so, because the scripture says, if you're ashamed to own me before men, then I'll be ashamed to own you before the Father. If you raised your hand, would you come and meet us right here at the altar? Because we want to pray for you first. Come on, give them a hand. Give them a hand as they come. Thank you, Lord Jesus. This is a great church. This is a great church. Come on, right here. Come on. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud. There was a couple other people that raised your hand, but I would love for you to come up. But uh, if not, you know, I understand it's the fear of walking up here seems forever. But I'm so proud of you right now. Go ahead and lift up your hands. Come on, even in your seat, you can be included. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the son of the living God. I believe that you were born of a virgin. I believe that you died for my sins and you rose again on the third day I ask you Jesus to forgive me of my sins come into my heart help me to live for you I can't do it by myself I've tried and I fail Jesus save me I confess that you are Lord write my name in the book of life in Jesus name Amen Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on, give Jesus a hand. And this brother over here, I saw you standing. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Ah, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. It's, as, they're, as they're continuing to pray for them, amen. Um, and you're here. You want to be included. I, I believe that you really felt like this message really touched you today. And you're like, you know what? Ooh, I'm ready to arise in courage. I'm ready to arise in courage. If that's you, I want you to stand up on your feet. I'm ready to arise in courage. You know, it was something my, my husband was talking about, the 60-something-year-olds and all this. And I'm telling you, Caleb was 80 years old when he said, give me my mountain. I want to be like Caleb. Give me my mountain. I don't care how old you are. God doesn't care how old you are. You're going to be used by God. I see you too as really faithful people in this house. God wants you to know that you're faithful. Come on, he calls you faithful. He calls you faithful. He calls you faithful. And right now, even now, in your body, I speak total healing now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I speak, Lord God, against every demonic force, every spirit of infirmity that would come and attack this wonderful family, that would attack this mighty woman of God. 